Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started marina is a serial entrepreneur and a multicultural and diversity advocate she is an expert in the business of entertainment and in the interview she reflects on her journey and emphasizes the importance of staying true to oneself embracing growth strength and vulnerability and rejecting gender stereotypes her story will inspire you to embrace your own unique qualities and lead authentically hi marina welcome to the choosing leadership podcast hello and thank you for welcoming me to talk with you i think it's a wonderful opportunity it's a pleasure to have you here can you share a bit about yourself who you are what do you do difficult to explain who you are especially when you're not seeing the people listening like we have to answer different ways depending on who's listening if i want to do it in a nutshell basically i'm probably a frustrated scientist when i was young i think in my generation women didn't go into necessary scientific studies and so i was pushed into probably what would have been diplomatic services international relations and instead of continuing school which fortunately for me and maybe unfortunately socially i was very good at school and it was easy for me and since i like challenges i actually stopped for a furthering with my education which i should have probably done and gone off to do doctorate degrees and stuff like that i decided to work and i went into work after having looked at perhaps working in the cia and all sorts of different things but i think i have too much ethics too much values that are not aligned with certain types of businesses so that I turned myself to trying to find who I was because I was quite young I had finished my schooling very early and I had done a number of different types of of education having studied in the United States and Russia and Sweden then I went to France and I was young a young adult and I decided I wanted to learn French having lived on seven continents having been born in Brazil from Russian origins and partly American I decided I wanted to learn French after speaking seven other languages 
I was probably around 21, 22. I had finished my studies already and had done a double major, double minor, leaving school a valedictorian. That was just too easy. So I went into working. I was paid part-time for a full-time job, partly with cash. And I went into the event business in France and worked for in a fashion business. And what it was interesting for me was to actually learn what are the different kinds of people we encounter in life. And I think that taught me probably more than all my education and all the different cultures that I have lived in across the continents. It's just magical to to be able to look at people, understand them, because you listen. And I think it's something that's extremely important in life is to listen and listen, as you would say, reading between the lines mm. when people speak, when people move, when people react. And I have a Often people say that I have a very, they say, pertinent look to people. When I look at people, I look very directly because I'm listening to what they're saying to me. And I don't know if that makes sense to you, Sumit, but it's, I know you speak about it a lot in your presentations, which I looked at, which are, again, compliments to you. Now, the reason why I'm participating today is because I think what you communicate is very valuable. Learning how to listen helped me also go through all these cultures as a kid, understanding even it was very different to all these different kinds of peoples I was in contact with through Asia and different countries in Europe and South America and so on. And actually going to America was one of my biggest cultural shocks because I thought I knew what America was all about. And when I went to live there was another story. And all about this building, I did then fall into another line of business, which we call licensing, which people don't know, but it's the business of entertainment. And what I loved about it is that entertainment is culture, important to humanity. We need to have and be inspired by art and culture and all of it, audiovisual. And I started working in what became one of the biggest independent entertainment companies in the world, actually. It's now quoted on the stock market in Canada. We worked there for 22 years. So I was CEO of a company in my early, in my late 20s. We built a company that we sold and bought for about four times, quoted on the stock market twice. We did what Harvard would probably consider a business case study, because oftentimes when you sell and you buy, you never retain your name nor your people. And every time we retain our name and our people. Then I changed jobs and worked at a very famous TV channel called TF1, rebuilding their diversification, their businesses, and particularly their IP. Uh, and I enjoyed myself immensely doing that. Then I went to head up the studio Milimage to create one of the most I'd say a fabulous French independent production studios and animation and to help accelerate the company and reposition them. And then in January, I decided to leave the corporate world and I'm on a big project today, giving my time to try and help, uh, yeah. help the world. So that's where I am today. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it does make sense what you're describing about listening and values. So as you have taken these shifts in your career, right, can you Share personally for you, how have you learned to listen differently to yourself and to others? How have your ethics and values evolved over time? And what has that connection been to those big decisions that you have made, which including one which you're making right now? Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, Sure. I don't think my values have changed. I think on the contrary, when you are pushed in sometimes into a leadership role, when I was 27, I wasn't necessarily ready for that. My values haven't changed, but what has happened is out of experience, I think I've 
even strengthened my position in terms of values and ethics. 30 years ago, when I started my career, things were very different. I was a young lady, not speaking French very well in Paris. My late 20s, I was in front of many CEOs who were over 50 and only male. And I was having a lot of obstacles. I didn't really care. And I found that rather challenging and amusing. And I say I'm not afraid to admit my fragility as well, which I think is important, keeping your humility, right? I went home every night for two years crying, I think, because it was so challenging. We were losing money at the time, and I had to bring the company back up. But what was interesting is what I learned going around the world as a kid, you mentioned that, learning, looking, observing, listening, learning all the time. I think I'm learning all the time still, reading constantly. Listening to people, watching, observing is, is extremely magical to being, I think, a better leader. When I was a kid and my dad used to tease me saying, what do you want to be when you're going to be older? He says, he would say to me, oh, Marina, being a good secretary is really challenging and a good job for you. And I'd get very upset and I'd say, no, I want to be the boss. Didn't really know what that meant. And the teachers, when I was a kid, used to tell me all the time that it was too much authoritative. I was telling people what to do all the time. So I think what's evolved is the fact that um, being a person physically that's, I'm tall, I'm a meter 81, blonde, blue eyes, I'm kind of seen as tough. Using my fragility and actually a lot of sensitivity because changing countries and changing schools and all that all the time means you have to learn how to listen, reinvent, observe. It doesn't necessarily give you the grounds of stability that maybe staying in one country all your life and knowing the same people all your life does. So that, I think, has bring, brought me that uh, talent, brought me something that has been a plus that someone else might say was negative. I uh -huh. take it as a positive. So I think I'm quite positive about life. I mentioned to you I broke my hand recently. And for me, that's not necessarily a negative situation. Many people come to say, oh, right, they must be hurting. It must be horrible. It's difficult to live with. And for me, on the contrary, it's a blessing because it was necessary at that time for me in my change of career. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that so openly and vulnerably. But I want to go a little bit deeper, right? How does that flexibility between being authoritarian or being like your own boss as well as being fragile and being, how does that balance between the masculine and the feminine side of you play? And I'm asking you, especially from the context of women leaders, because I see many women leaders who have either been in one of these areas and they have no idea that they have the other side to it. So I have seen women who are too feminine and then they do not know how to stand up or, or make a point. And then I know people who, because of adversity, have toughened up so much that they find it very difficult to open up. So depending on what you are sharing, that you have learned to be flexible and you have learned to be maybe in a dance with these two parts of yourself. What are you learning and what lesson could be there for others? Okay, I'm going to take you a step further. I don't mm -hmm. believe in masculine and feminine qualities. Right? We're, what I'm trying to do is helping humanity graduate at a level now, because I think we've, in many countries, have come to a level of understanding. I think biologically, no questions. I'm very happy to be a woman. That's not an issue. I'm not talking about that. I think that everyone is different. I don't think I would say, for instance, because someone is active and 
energetic, I don't necessarily call that a masculine quality. Mm-hmm. If each of one thinks of their mother at home, I think they're active and energetic. It's not a masculine quality. I think that each one of us has to find who they are and be good and be true to themselves. That's a message that's extremely important. There are not many feminine leaders to use as role models. That's why we have this issue, I think, because many of the women, and I did it myself when I was starting at 28, and I was in front of these 15-year-old men who wouldn't even look at me in the eye and talk to me and was talking to my salesmen because they were men, asking them to take the decision because I was a woman that possibly I couldn't, and I was blonde, so no, no way, she couldn't. I would dress up, make a big jewelry, heels. You think that you can cover yourself with a uniform or something. People will take on perhaps an attitude of being overly aggressive or tough. I don't think you need to create a character. I am definitely, I prone mostly knowing yourself, being true to yourself, not being afraid to show who you are. If you're a man and you're someone who is more sensitive, doesn't mean you're more feminine. And I think that's the big problem with leaders around the world. And you've mentioned many of your presentations is that the wrong type of leadership, as we'd like to say today, if we could redefine things, is having more of a human approach to leadership and a listening approach, including audacity and courage courage as much as humility, which would seem to be complete contradictions, but they're not. It's the strength. It's the strength of knowing who you are and being true to yourself. I don't put so much makeup on anymore. (laughs) I don't put jewelry on like I used to, all that stuff. I try to be more myself. And again, you have to be somewhat of a chameleon when you are in business situations and you dress for a job and you dress for a meeting or someone by respect. I will always have respect for the people in front of me, but I try to stay as much possible myself. And that's getting more challenging today because people are also judging, judging each other when they meet you and try people take you off of face value. They come from a certain type of culture. Have the clicks of coming out of certain schools or social levels or business sectors. If you're from a bank and you don't have a, a suit and tie, they may not take you so seriously. Well, there's many things that I could hint us to women taking leadership roles. I think using your voice is extremely important. I know you've mentioned that in some of your presentations. Not being afraid to speak louder. Not being afraid to speak softer, yeah, to capture attention. And a woman who might be smaller or not be able to capture attention. It's happened to me many times in meetings, even if I'm a tall, big person. I would actually smack the table with my hand to catch attention because everyone's talking over you. Um, there's, it's silly. It sounds like you're in a schoolroom. But I really believe you have to sometimes make that difference to stand out, yeah? And it happens to any kind of person who's in a meeting situation or a meeting or a rendezvous or whatever they have to do if they're a minority of a situation to have themselves stand out. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think this is both true for men and women, right? It's not about any specific gender. And there is the diversity of who we are as human beings is so much more diverse than a gender can explain. So thank you for for adding that, right? It's each person's journey to look inside and figure out who they are and then to lead forward with that, right? So coming to that, can you share a bit about what are you trying to do now? What is your vision? 
As, as I was telling my friends when I left the corporate world, I said to them, I'm going to give myself a year to try and find a way to work for good, to do good in the world. I have a deep passion and motivation and sense of mission that I think we have to give of our time and of our energies to others when we have so much. I'm healthy. I live in a country in France, which is a wealthy country. We're so much luck to be living in this country. I don't believe in luck, but it's a fantastic opportunity to share with those that don't necessarily have those opportunities. And I don't think we are allowed to waste it. So I'm going to see if I can manage to pay my bills and at the same time do something that's going to help the world. And maybe in a couple of months, I hope, We'll be able to know something positive, and we're working on some projects right now, and I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited because it will allow me to use, I guess, all the key words that I find magical. You're, I think you're not necessarily, I was born a leader. I don't think you're something that you can try and become a leader either. I think life also trains you to become or trains you to be who you are, but you have to have that vocation already. You yeah. have to be able to support it because it's lonely. You need perseverance. You need motivation. You need passion. Vision is extremely important. So right now I'm trying to keep true to a vision that I have in front of me to say, where can I lead my ideas that I'm looking at today for in the five years to come? And if I am in a, going to be working in businesses that will be related to charity work, benevolent work, I don't want to be working as a benevolent. I want to make sure that the charity or whatever I'm working with makes money. I want to make sure that it makes money for good and for those people that need it. So it's going to be a challenge, and I'm excited. I like those challenges. <laughs> like I explained it, instead of going through to school and doing double doctorates that would have been easy for me, I decided to drop everything to do what was more hard and go work. I didn't wasn't making enough money to feed myself at every end of month, but. Um, I was learning at 100 miles an hour, and it was a fantastic time. And I just have continued that, loving what I do, loving the people I work with, and trying to work and co we call it co-construction. We use that word in French. Mm -hmm. I know it's an English word, but it's a very popular word in France. So you say co-construction is working with people to find solutions, answers, strategy, vision, definitions. And problem solving goes along with courage when it comes to leadership. I know that's a subject you often like to ask is what's what kind of challenging situations we, we come across. So I believe in that a lot. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that excitement and how much it matters to you is kind of visible in how you speak about it. And since you mentioned courage, can you share what are some of those challenges or what are some of those courageous shifts that you are making or that you anticipate that you will have to make in the coming year? First of all, when you're a woman and you're 55, basically people write you off in the business world. So I'm in the age where people are saying, Ooh, la la, Marina, you're making a rather bad decision here. You're deciding in the middle of your career to stop everything and then try and work for good. So fear is dominant factor in those cases. So you can listen to fear. I choose to listen to good. So I don't think fear is helpful. You can be fearful. Like my father said, is don't ever make a decision based on fear. Use the fear to eventually find a solution that's going to transform the problem into a benediction. That's how I'm approaching things on that end. When I was young in my career, 
many times I think you're afraid to say no, for instance. You're afraid to say no to money, to clients, to opportunities. You don't necessarily see the next opportunity coming around the corner because you don't have a crystal ball. So you say to yourself, if I do say no to this, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? And I've done that a number of times to some face of some of the biggest studios on this planet, one of which I can quote today because it's been a long time. But when one point, I basically went across against management and said no to DreamWorks for working with them. And at that point, I really didn't have the finances in the group to say that. <laughs> so it was a challenging repercussion on the whole group of a decision. In, I needed courage at that point to make that decision based on a number of elements that pointed to there's something else coming around the corner that you need to keep your eye on and not be afraid and invest your time and your team into. And that turned out to be a fantastic experience, fantastic experience. I don't regret that at all. Other times I didn't say no. I also learned from that. Remember when Sega asked us to revamp their entire portfolio and their IPs and their properties and we were working on Sonic and stuff like that. And this was maybe 15, 20, 18 years ago. And they decided to position it at a certain age target. And I followed with my team through and I didn't have the courage to say no at that time. We needed the money to pay the bills and the salaries. And so we went along with them and it was a catastrophe. <laughs> so it was a catastrophe. Yeah. That Those are lessons that I take on board. We're not failures, yeah. again. Mandela and many other people have said that. I don't lose, I either win or I learn. So that's pretty much what happened in those cases. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, what you just said, right? You don't lose, you either you win or you learn. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what you mentioned about courage, and especially when people are too quick to tell you what to do, or people are too quick to tell you that you are wrong or you should do this, to be able to lead with courage or to be able to say no, you need to have a certain level of grounding or a certain level of a solid foundation. Can you share how have you built that? How do you create that space for yourself to take care of yourself first, which allows you to take those bold decisions, which could include saying no with poise rather than with, uh, with anxiety or self-doubt? Wow, that's a great question. I haven't always been very good at that, telling you the truth. As a mom, as a CEO, as a caregiver to older members of my family, I didn't always take care of myself. And I think this whole notion of burnout that we're hearing a lot about today, I've had moments where it was just too much. And I'm learning at 55 how to take care of myself. Because it, what you're saying, again, reading some of your material and hearing your conferences, you talk about that fact that you need to take care of yourself. It comes back to what I said earlier about being true to yourself. Yeah, It's yeah. part of that. You have to know who you are and like who you are. That doesn't come day to the next. You don't not born all of a sudden like that. It's hard, especially when you're a kid or you're a teenager. You don't like yourself very much. Those who do like themselves too much tend to often be have major issues mentally. So it's like it's a good period of your life where you're learning how to stay humble. Again, if you're if you have support from your family, from people around you, and I say family is not always your blood family. It can also be the family you choose. Yeah, mentors extremely important. I know that I've sourced a lot of energy when I didn't have more than five, four hours sleep a night. I'm working seven days a week, helping everybody, working with everybody, not thinking about yourself. I've had a lot of energy given to me through friends around me. 
I believe in life. I have a very strong belief system that I rely on. I think it's important to believe in something. Having lived around the world and had fabulous conversations with people from different belief systems, crazy, all sorts of ideas. I love it because I think that's how we find to pick and choose what makes sense to us. And even those who told me they didn't believe in anything, they didn't believe in that something that was nothing, which I find very amusing. Yes. But it's, it's great to have the things that aren't always physical. You can go do sports, which is extremely important. I did a lot of sport in my life. And I think that leading and sports have a lot of parallels. I learned how to work as a team. I learned how to push myself. I learned discipline. And lead leadership is work. You know, it's not fun. <laughs> when my kids were young, I would ask them what they wanted to be. Different generations completely. And they, one of my daughters said to me, Mom, I want to be a star. And I said to them, star is not a job. What's the job you want to do? And then we started talking because what the people are saying is what they want to feel and what they would like to attain. When you're a star, you don't feel and attain at all what was your original thought. As a star, as you notice, many people are un very unhappy, often depressive, not taking care of themselves, ups and downs constantly. Nothing is linear. And what people often are looking for is to be liked or loved. This is what I'm talking about listening when people speak, is how to listen to what they're really saying. And I'm the worst one because often when I talk about things, it's probably the message I need to learn most. So I don't like to give lessons, but I like to talk about things I've understood. And when I say them to people like I am with you today, I'm sharing. I'm listening because I'm reminding myself, Marina, listen to what you're saying. It's very strange. Huh? I have a voice in my head saying, don't forget, don't forget. Yeah. Does that happen to you too? It happens to me. Yeah. And one thing, one thing which I'm loving about what you're sharing and how you're sharing is, is like we are doing a podcast, we are doing an interview, which will be public. And many times when we are in these public forums, we know or our mind knows what is the answer, what is the right answer, right? The right politically correct answer. And what you are answering, the way you are answering is you're being honest, right? So I asked you, how do you create that space? And you said that maybe for most of your life, I haven't been very good at that. And I want to appreciate that openness because that takes as much as courage as banging your fist on the table, right? So courage is not just oh, about, yeah. about the bravado. It's also about being honest that I know there is a sense that this would make for a good answer, but there is an honest answer here. And thank you for that. I want to appreciate that. It's my pleasure. I think that, again, honesty is part of my value system. And I think that's why I say I haven't changed my values. I was mm -hmm. brought up that way. That's something learned that I... Inherited from my family, from the people I went to school with. I was very lucky to go to schools around the world that were a very rich level. When I say rich, doesn't necessarily mean what everybody thinks about, because I think that academics is not what is the sole answer to intelligence. Hmm. Academics is a tool. Those who are good at maths and adding and all that kind of stuff is great, but there's going to be robots and chat GPTs and all the rest to do that for us. But I think what's really humanly intelligent about us is the eight other intelligences we talk lesser of 
I think there's nine or 10 or something that have been identified. They, the academic intelligence is just one of them. There's the social intelligence, there's emotional intelligence, there's all sorts of different dimensions. For instance, I'm not very good necessarily at a social dimension because of possibly the fact that I haven't been raised in one culture, so I know it 100%. Hmm. I'm a sort of a foreign person everywhere I go. I see the world as a ball flying through the universe, and we take ourselves too damn seriously as humans. We're not that important. And I don't have these territorial issues. I, I didn't know I was white until I was four officially. It took a long time for me to grasp the idea because there was a little guy on the beach in Brazil in Rio, who came to me and pushed me on the beach and said, no, nope, you can't play with us because you're not black. And I was mm. kind of surprised because <laughs> in my family, we didn't talk about that. We didn't care. It wasn't an issue. I mean, from there it was never really an issue, but I had to understand why I was different. And that was so strange. And you live in Thailand and you're a teenager and you're already a meter 81. And I think the parents of your friends are probably half your size. It's kind of odd. <laughs> so it's been uh, pretty much different to many cultures that I have lived in. And yeah. I think that's a strength. I don't see that as a weakness because I fought to understand it, even if many times I was not happy with myself. So being different is for me a wonderful quality. And I think in companies, having people that are different ages, working with a, an, an association to help people over 50 in the workplace. Because I think France is one of the worst countries in the world to help people over 50. And uh, putting into place simple things to make companies look has-been if they don't play along the game. If you see a resume come in and you see the age of the person or when they went to school, kind of, yeah. uh, you know what, how old they are. So you say, I don't want that one, and it goes straight to the bin. But you can do the same when you see someone's name and you don't like their origins. You can do the same when you see where they live, where they were in a what social level they're from. And all of those, all of those racisms, whatever they are, we have to get over it. We're all human. Yeah. We all come from the same base. Hopefully, again, I don't think it'll happen very early because humanity is kind of stupid, but I hope we learn from history and from the past and we become better humans. At least we help people live better as they go along. So if I can add to that's why it's something so important to me. I've tried to do that in my job successively is bring together this difference in teams and it's magical the way teams fall together. The more cultural differences there are, the better the solution the solutions come, the creativity flows. Me, even if people who don't speak the same languages, the communication is better. It's crazy because there's an openness to, to working together and, and trying harder to work together because yeah. when people think they know each other, it actually creates obstacles. I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, because when you know that you know somebody, you already have boxed them into a particular notion and then you're not open to something different, something new. And even if you see something different, it's too easy to judge, criticize or label people. And that stops collaboration, that stops innovation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So just going a bit more deeper into what you're trying to do now, and you spoke about like helping humans graduate into a new something. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the change that you think that you want to make in the world? Yes, I think very strongly that education is key to helping our humanity survive. Put it that very straightly. Mm. Education is key to having humanity survive. 
if it's ecologically, if it's financially, if it's poverty-wise, if it's all of the different pillars that have been put together by the United Nations, they have come together with it, ODTs, the objectives of the United Nations and the world there, ones that most countries have signed behind. If you think about each one of them, they can actually be solved if we manage to help educate people better and in a more healthy environment with the support. And I'm very big on what we call positive reinforcement when you grow up. When you do sports, your coach is not going to say, oh, you're doing everything wrong. You don't know what you're doing because you're not going to continue and you're not going to get better. If you're going to be doing tennis or you're going to be doing golf or you're going to be doing basketball or swimming or whatever you love to do and you're in sports and you're going to go into competition, they're going to be telling you that you're really good at what you're doing. And they're probably also going to be telling you what you don't know how to do and how we're going to work on those aspects that are of lesser quality. And that's something I've taken into the workplace and I think should be also extremely strongly focused in the schools. And at home, because when you're a kid and you're growing up and the parents are busy and running around, and let's say you're a slow child and you don't do things quickly and you don't dress quickly and you don't eat quickly. And every day you hear parents saying, hurry up. You grow up with this feeling like, oh, I'm slow. Doesn't mean you're not intelligent. It just means possibly you have a very great talent. And if it, a kid might be someone who's always looking out the window or drawing or... So maybe it's someone who's very observant, someone who's very artistic. So as a business person, when someone like that comes along, we talk about that. You know, say maybe you're not in the right job if you're doing sales. <laughs> maybe you should be working in the art and creative. If people are doing that kind of observation when kids are young and helping them orient them towards things that are going along the lines of where their strong character traits are, yeah. Yeah. So the kid wasn't slow. The kid was just really observant, doing things intelligently, going through details, maybe accounting. I don't know, something that goes along there. But it's all a question of how you approach things because learning isn't just in school, it's at home. And it's an approach that's extremely different when you reinforce people positively. They grow up to be great people. And even if you don't have much, knowing how to learn is probably more than knowing stuff. Yeah. So, if we can make a difference in that domain, so for me, that will make so much of a difference. And you know that women today are still the educators in the world with all the cultures I've been across. The women are still the educators at home and in the schools up to a certain age because it's less, make less money, which is, it's the truth. So you have a women educators, 90% home and in the schools. So what does that mean to me? Marina, if you want to make a difference in education and the world, we're going to start and help women have a better position. And if you're in a, living in a country where your survival is put into risk and you don't know if you'll make it the next day and you can't feed your family and if you know there's war around the corner, you'll train your children to fight. You'll train your, family to, your kids to survive. Yeah. If we can help women and kids be financially stable around the world, I'm convinced that we will bring greater peace and serenity to this world. And yeah. probably all the rest of it go along. So that's kind of the, the baseline of what I'm going to concentrate my energy yes. into. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. I think you said it very nicely. And this is something we can 
learned from the world of sports that we need a lot more positive enforcement rather than feedback or criticism or telling people what to do, which is all too common. I think the only other dimension which I would add to that, right, apart from helping others or praising others, it's also so easy to criticize or blame ourselves. And I think that's where we can all look back and celebrate more. We can all look back and see how far we have come. It's so easy to see how far we have to go and see that as a huge gap. It's so difficult to see from yesterday, from last week, how much progress I have made, both in terms of tangible goals, but also in terms of personal growth, which can never be measured, but can always be felt. And because that leads to that personal encouragement or reinforcement, which then leads to every other result that you want to produce in, the, in your life. Oh, sure. You're, to, you're completely right. But I think it's a fact that when you say I want to be rich and I want to, you, you immediately finish the sentence and say, I want to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But being rich has nothing to do with money. And Absolutely. I think uh, we have all completely, I admit it myself because I'm part of this generation, which we racing after making more and more. I think a slow economy, slowing things down is hugely important. I yes. love animals. That's one of my things. And I watch the animals. I watch my dogs. They're satisfied. They're content. And I think we need to learn from them how to be more satisfied and more happy and just enjoy what we have. And you said it right. We have to appreciate our advancements as we go along and appreciate ourselves. Yeah. We can become our worst enemy in terms of advancement. Absolutely. And I think we need to redefine as you were talking about our definition. So what does it mean to be rich or what does it mean to be successful? Because so many of these things have been tied with money and we can all see the damage it is causing to to our economy, to our planet. And it's time we redefine those definitions and also start measuring things more than just the GDP. Because I think that's a backward metric because if I try to, if I try to be more environment aware and if I try to grow my own vegetables and eat it, then the GDP of the country goes down because no transaction is happening. I'm not paying taxes, but it's better. Yeah, but the, but on the metrics, it will seem like the country is going down in GDP because nobody is paying anybody for anything. You are just growing your own sustainable food. And we need to redefine how we measure success from a level of a company, country, economy to integrate these new sustainable practices or ideas that we are coming up with. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we humans don't like to share. It's something very odd, right? There have been so many books written about this for hundreds of years. Stories being told since before Jesus Christ. So it's like crazy. It's not a new thing at all, right? Humanity has a rather big defaults. And we're trying all to work around them. But I think we also have to accept that we're not, as I said, humans are not that amazing We're living on a ball that's running around the galaxy and uh, we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously and take a look at ourselves and say, okay, guys, that's, it's enough is enough and we can do it slowly. There's some urgencies that we have to take care of, of course, because otherwise humanity, and it's not, it's not saving the planet. That's a mistake completely in the communication and planet's going to be fine. (laughs) It's humans that are going to disappear. We're just going to be like the dinosaurs. There's a fantastic film that the United Nations made. I don't know if you've seen it, where you have the dinosaur that comes into the United Nations and actually makes a speech and says, look at me, look what I became. Ah, have you seen that film? 
You should look at it up, look it up mm. because it's absolutely amazing what we can do today with augmented reality. But we don't learn from history. We've got all the facts in front of us and we're just racing towards the finish line and we know that there's nothing at the other end. <laughs> yeah. It- so why don't we just be happily staying where we are and enjoying the sun instead of rushing off the edge of the planet? I think we need to, maybe we have to take small steps, go there slowly. We need to slow things down a bit. We're not sure exactly where all of this artificial intelligence is taking us. There's nothing wrong with it. We can use it to our benefit as long as we allow for limits. We need to make sure that it's balanced and ethical. If it's learning from what's on the web, I think that's a big problem because it's not the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, it's uh, being leaders today is a challenging position because they don't want to make mistakes. They want to be voted in. They want to continue being paid but they know they need to do the right thing. They need to have courage, make some hard decisions. And I think each one of us in our own leadership position, if you're a leader of your family, if you're a leader of your sports team on the weekend, whatever it is you're doing that puts you in that leadership position, you need to know yourself and be true to yourself and, and have a value system and a belief system you can rely on. Networking is so important. You have your support, your mentors, your Mentees, I've learned so much from the people I've mentored. I have mentors that are 20 years younger than me, and I'm not afraid to say it because they're teaching me things all the time. And I think you need to to not be afraid to stand up for what you believe. A lot of people are blending in and saying, yes, the kind of sheep mentality. I yeah. don't like sheep mentality at all. So that may be why it's put me apart is because I was never afraid to speak up. And I think freedom, with freedom also comes responsibilities. Some of the people we look at that have the freedom of speech, I think, go too far. Elon Musk, what's fantastic about him is the fact that he dares. But at the same time, now that he's become like a guru for many people, he has a responsibility now also to watch what he says. So with those responsibilities, so freedom is to speak up, okay, it, can be a definition for leadership, but then you have your responsibilities on the other side. And with the world we have today, I think the leaders need to have courage to take those challenging decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, especially in the context of leadership. I think that responsibility element is so much required and we can continue talking about this forever, but I would also love to bring this to a close. So as we end this for anybody who is listening, who wants to we stay in touch, keep updated with what you are up to. What is the best way for them to do? So? I worked with LinkedIn a lot. That's how we met. Yes. I liked what you were saying. I read people's posts. I am an avid reader. So I take, if people want to post things and so on, I will be reading. I think I have too many people on my contact base now. So I think you can follow me, but I don't think you can be connected with me anymore. But uh, definitely, it's reading LinkedIn. There'll be some announcements, hopefully, if we get everything pulled together before the end of the year. And uh, I just cross my fingers and do my best to make sure that I can pay my bills by helping other people. That would be my dream. So I'm going to work at that. Thank you. Thank you, Marina, for everything that you have shared and for who you are. And thank you. Thank uh, you for who you are. Thank you for everything you're bringing to people you're working with. Absolutely. And I think I would like to invite anybody who is listening to this to listen to this episode multiple times because the length might be 40, 45 minutes, but the depth, I think, in this episode, in what you shared is so much that every time you listen to this episode, you will get something different for you. 
for yourself. So I would like to invite anybody who's listening to not just give it one pass and to do, take it multiple passes at it and see what are you grasping. The different depths of you will grasp different elements every time you listen to it. And I want to once again wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you, Marina. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.